Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, April 7th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Missouri Governor Mike Parson anticipates lawmakers will approve a state budget despite this year's legislative session being halted by coronavirus. He says legislators have until June 30th, when the fiscal year ends, to fulfill that constitutional obligation. The St. Louis Pandemic Task Force leader warns regional hospitals could soon be overwhelmed. Dr. Alex Garza says officials know a COVID-19-related surge is coming. He is encouraging people to stay home, so, quote, our medical systems can work as efficiently and effectively as possible. There are more cases of COVID-19 at a nursing home in St. Charles County. Health officials say 35 residents of Frontier Health and Rehabilitation have tested positive. Along with seven employees, there have been three deaths. Centerpoint Hospital in St. Charles has stopped admissions because more than 15 staff members have the virus. Three patients have also tested positive. Fort Leonard Wood has temporarily stopped receiving recruits for basic training. That's part of a national decision by the U.S. Army to fight the spread of coronavirus. New basic training classes are on hold for at least two weeks. St. Louis County is asking for cloth mask donations. The county's Department of Health says it probably does not have enough masks to meet the anticipated demand. It is asking for cloth masks for those serving in support and in direct roles so it can preserve its N95 medical-grade masks for first responders and health care workers. Here are the numbers. The state of Missouri is reporting more than 2,700 COVID-19 cases. There have been almost 37,000 patients tested. Missouri is reporting around 40 deaths. In Illinois, state health officials report more than 12,000 positive cases and roughly 310 deaths. Around 63,000 people have been tested. In just a few minutes, we will hear from a Washington University economist about the economic impact of COVID-19. St. Louis Mayor Lida Krusen says the coronavirus pandemic will likely cost the city tens of millions of dollars in the final months of its fiscal year. As St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports, the shortfall may put planned raises for city workers in jeopardy. Krusen says the city will go ahead with one-time payments of $1,000 and the normal merit raises that are handed out on hiring anniversaries. But the current pay bill promised an additional 1.5 percent raise, which Krusen says is now up in the air. She says the city is also making a number of other changes to save money. We are not hiring anybody except for very essential people. Uh, we have stopped buying anything at all that isn't personal protective equipment. Krusen is working with Governor Mike Parson to ensure the city can access some of the funds in the recently approved federal stimulus package. Only cities above 500,000 people are eligible for direct assistance from the U.S. government. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker says the federal government still is not providing enough personal protective equipment to keep health care workers safe during the COVID-19 pandemic. Pritzker says his administration has looked for other ways to obtain that equipment to supplement what has already been requested from Washington. Day in and day out, we are on the phone with companies that have ventilators, companies that could 
provide ventilators to us. Pritzker says he has been speaking with manufacturers like Ford Motor Company and General Motors to help get those supplies to Illinois. President Trump said during a news conference over the weekend that the governor is, quote, always complaining and that he has not performed well in negotiating supplies for the state. Zip codes in North St. Louis are recording some of the highest number of COVID-19 cases in the city. As St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports, there are only two testing sites in the area. In the city's newly released COVID-19 breakdown of cases per zip code, there are notable areas of concern. Though not officially declared a hotspot, North St. Louis is becoming one of them. John Collins Muhammad is the alderman of the 21st Ward. He says North St. Louis has been disenfranchised for so long that it's not surprising that his zip code of 63115 has the highest number of COVID-19 cases in the city. He says his community is familiar with disparities across the board. He calls the COVID-19 crisis a microcosm to a macrocosm that exists for the residents he represents. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. The International Institute of St. Louis is working to keep refugees and immigrants informed about coronavirus. Anita Barker is vice president and director of education and training. She says the institute has been sending out important information about the virus using robocalls in several languages, including Arabic and Spanish. How to be careful and institute access and how the coronavirus spreads and its symptoms, you know, for general information. The uh, Another announcement that went out were hotline phone numbers for coronavirus and how to get interpreter help if you have symptoms. The nonprofit has also included other resources on its website, such as translated documents and local hotlines for interpreters. The COVID-19 outbreak continues to hammer the economy. Unemployment claims are in record territory, and many businesses have announced massive layoffs. I spoke with Washington University professor of practice in economics John Horn about some of the pressing questions concerning the current economy. Not just how long will this last, but where are the sectors that this is going to make a difference? How is this going to affect the economy overall? What parts of the economy is this going to affect overall? And then start to think about in those particular industries or sectors, how do you think this is going to play out? And therefore, then getting back to how is this going to play out on the bigger bigger stage? So have you drawn any conclusions out of those questions you've laid out for yourself? The big takeaway I would have is that as I look at it, there is no doubt that this is going to cause economic disruption. I mean, it already is. There are estimates that the unemployment rate is going to be somewhere in the 25 to 30 percent range later this spring and early this summer. Just as a point of reference in the downturn, it maxed out at about 10 percent in the great financial crisis that we had in 2008-2009. So we're already talking two and a half to three times what it was in the most recent recession. This is, you know, Great Depression numbers. Now, the difference is that in the Great Depression, those numbers lasted for years. And I think that's really the question that we're going to have is how long is this going to last? And I think the real question that we're facing is if we come up with a vaccine, how quickly do we start getting back both demand and supply? I would assume it's still too early to assess how quickly that may happen. Yeah, because in the best of all possible worlds, everyone goes out and says, I want to start buying and consuming and eating at restaurants and going to movies and everything. And all those stores start saying, great, we'll start producing next week and ramp right back up. 
ideally the only way that happens is if there's sort of a clear cutting point where COVID-19 goes from you need to stay indoors and shelter to all of a sudden it's safe to go out, all restrictions are off, it's just like it was last November. And I think the challenge is how quickly does the virus end? If we start seeing pop-ups in hotspots, that could actually make it really hard to restart the economy. We're looking at several weeks of people just staying home. Can the economy handle several more weeks? If we think of it as we're just going to hit a pause on all economic activity for a couple of months and then just start it back up, in theory and concept, that could work. The challenges with that is, do we have enough supplies of food and other things to last us until that point. The second challenge is that in the interim of when we've shut down a couple of weeks ago to whenever that startup point is, say, even if it's June or July, in the interim period, you have rent payments and debt payments and interest payments and other things that if you don't pay those, you go bankrupt. Business owners go bankrupt and individuals go bankrupt. And the challenge will be are the restaurant owners in a financial place where banks say, we'll give you the capital to start starting up your business again? Or do they say, no, you went bankrupt, and so now we're not going to lend to you? Was there anything that could have been done to avoid this impact on the economy? And I say that knowing that we're in an unprecedented health situation. I think economically, not really. The preparation comes down to more for treating the virus and preparing to minimize the spread of the virus. The economic point would be to have plans in place that would have addressed things like what's going to happen for uh, health insurance and health coverage, what's going to happen to your financial situation, what's going to happen to your debt payments, what's going to happen to rent payments. Having a plan put in place so that we could have instantly said, okay, here's what's happening with these major payments that are constantly flowing through the economy. We're going to put this in place to try to manage the disruption to those flows I think if that plan had been put in place, it would have alleviated a lot of the fear about where the economy was going to go and how it was going to come back, and I think would have made restarting the economy easier because we would have known how to unwind some of those things in the first place. That's Washington University economics professor John Horn talking about economic uncertainties amid the pandemic. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.